Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Leaders Alliance podcast. My name is Michael Brodeur, and I am the director of Leaders Alliance. My wife, Diane, is normally with me. She's off today doing some other stuff. But anyway, we have an exciting guest I want to present to you in just a moment as we get started, Dr. Cornelius Queck. And we'll share a little bit about him and have him share his story with us and some of what he sees as God doing in the earth at this time, which will be a great honor. But before we get to that, let's just talk a little bit about Leaders Alliance, that we are a new movement of amazing kingdom-minded men and women who are coming together to see God's kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're a combination of church leaders, marketplace leaders, thought leaders, emerging generation leaders, evangelists, uh, prophetic people who all believe that actually we're, we're stronger together than we are apart. You know, each of these different groups will often have their own little gatherings, and that's awesome. But we need to come together as the body of Christ. We need to experience the dynamics of kingdom life together. We need to cross-pollinate with one another and share our strengths with one another so that we can actually bring about the full manifestation of the body of Christ on the earth. And so Leaders Alliance exists for that purpose. We want to actually empower a sense of community where men and women are being uh, raised up in their uh, God-given potential as leaders in the body of Christ so that they can impact their sphere of influence for Christ. We want to build possibilities for collaboration where each one of our leaders are finding other leaders that are similar or have different giftings or abilities, and they can play together and actually build something together that will change the world. And then finally, we want to create resources for the local church so that we can actually have marketplace leaders mentoring leaders within the local church or evangelistic leaders mentoring leaders in the local church so that we can actually bring those things together in a powerful way so that ultimately we can reactivate the body of Christ to really go beyond the four walls of the church and bring transformation to the world around us. So anyway, it's great to be with you, but let me now introduce our dear brother, Dr. Cornelius Queck. Um, Cornelius, it's good to see you. Hey, good morning. Good to see uh, you again. Glad, you know, this is our second broadcast today. We had our actual members meeting, and so we're now in this podcast, but I'm so thankful that you could come and join us. So thankful for all of you that are on today and those that of, of you that will be listening to this in archives. But let me just say, I first met uh, Cornelius before he was a doctor. Actually, back uh, nine years ago, we hung out a bit, you know, just trying to talk about his journey, what God had done in his life, where he was heading. And uh, in the process, I just felt the incredible passion he had for the kingdom of God. And since that time, he's continued his, in his education process. He's become a true scholar. He's actually teaching at, at a major university here in Redding, California, Simpson University for the Christian Missionary Alliance. But he also teaches at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. He also has uh, other classes at, at Regent University, as well as uh, the uh, King's University. It was started by... Uh, um, gosh, 
Jack Hayford. <laughs> anyway, my brain's a little bit scattered. But um, so he's teaching all over the place. He's teaching uh, on practical theology. He's teaching on worldview. He's teaching on church leadership. I mean, he's he's got an incredible resume of different courses that he's developed in his teaching. But what I love most about you beyond the academic side is your passion your passion for the heart of God. In fact, you know, we've been, you know, staying connected through social media and just seeing the posts that you've been putting up about the heart of God for his people at this time is what hooked me to say, Coninus, come on and be with us. So why don't you just begin by sharing a little bit of your history? Give us a picture of your journey from, from basically your home in Singapore to where you are now. I want to see that. And then we're going to dive into some key topics beyond that. So turn it over to you. Excellent. Well, thanks, Michael, again, for the opportunity. Uh, for those that are hearing it, you know, uh, it's such a joy to be with you and uh, share part of my story. Uh, you know, it just feels like being with family, you know, and just uh, having some some fried chicken and some coffee and <laughs> this chat. Yeah. Well, um, uh, for those that don't know me, I, I uh, was born and raised in Singapore um, in the Far East. And I uh, was born into a Buddhist family. And uh, if you know anything about uh, Asian culture and, and Buddhist background, number one is you do not depart from your ancestral faith. That's a big no-no. That's the artermost disgrace and contempt you can bring to your family line. Uh, and, and so when I was 16, uh, by the sovereignty of God, I was sent to an uh, uh, Anglican mission school. And uh, the only reason why I was sent there was because I was uh, a competitive soccer player. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a pro. I wanted to go pro. And uh, that was my life. And I played uh, for the national team in Singapore till I was 21. Uh, and and in, that, in that journey uh, at 16, um, being that mission school, I was exposed to you know Christianity and Jesus for the first time. I've never heard the name of Jesus prior to being you know 16 years old. Heard the name of Jesus for the first time, and uh, initially was just like ah, you know, the Christians are are so square and so boring. Uh, they don't know how to have fun, and I was just there for sports. And my dad said, you know, go there for sports, go there for academics because it's a great you know reputable school. But just don't get fanatical about Jesus. Those were his exact words. <laughs> do not get fanatical about Jesus. And uh, and what do you know? <laughs> 16 years old, I uh, Holy Spirit hijacked my life and I uh, gave my life to the Lord. And all hell broke loose. Not all heaven broke loose, but all hell broke loose because uh, my dad was very, very upset and uh, kicked me out of the house. And he, he I still remember those words. He said, if you walk out of those doors you will never come back through those doors again and you will never bear our last name again wow. uh, by the grace of god he's taken me in uh, a few other times i was kicked out several times and uh and and, and he goes uh you know you, you're treating this house like a hotel you go to your church your church's family and we're not your family anymore anyway so there was a lot of contention in, in the house and all that but i just know my heart was set on fire for jesus and uh, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to serve him. And um, so being a, a, a Buddhist prior to that, I was exposed to a whole lot of uh, uh, idolatry, obviously, pagan religions, animistic religion. I saw the demon possessions and power encounters, all of that. And that was normal to me, 
you know and uh and so when i got saved uh my dad uh who was a fervent buddhist at that time which later on you know the good news is both my parents came to the lord 20 some years later um that's the good news thank you lord uh, but uh before that you know he he went to uh, uh the buddhist temple and sought out a buddhist monk who, who was you know sort of that a fortune teller a spirit medium sort of guy and then he asked the the spirit medium what can you tell me about my second son which is me and uh the the, the monk goes well two things number one your second son is really smart and <laughs> he gets around not just because i'm asian <laughs> and, and he goes he's really smart if he gets around the smart people he'll outsmart them wow but if he gets around the crooks such as the church people in that sneaky of the, of the devil <laughs> so if, if he gets around the, the church people he'll be their ringleader wow and then he goes, the second thing about your second son is the spirit that's on him, I have no power to touch. Wow. And uh, I look at my dad, did he, did he say that? And my dad goes verbatim, word wow. for word, what he said. And uh, well, praise the Lord, you know, <laughs> I, uh, the way I see it is, you know, even the devil knew uh, the truth and knew how to prophesy truth because all of all of the, what he said came to pass, you know? Wow. Uh, and so, uh, all that to say, you know, that's part of my background. The backdrop will be spiritual encounters, um, demon possession, uh, powers of darkness, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. And, and then when I got saved, I, I got saved at a uh, Anglicostal church, you know, Anglican who's uh, uh, that's Pentecostal in practice. And so, you know, got introduced to the Holy Spirit. Um, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it wasn't uh, um, speaking in tongues as my initial evidence um when i got baptized in the holy spirit it was just pure sanctification wow. uh, i've never felt so clean mm. it was like i was white as snow right wow. and, um but you know my 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 salvation and conversion was so radical in that uh, i knew it was a hundred percent allegiance or nothing wow uh, I knew very early on. I mean, I didn't. I didn't have the vocabulary for it at that time, but I knew that I had to carry my cross. I had to deny myself. Uh, I had to uh, put God above my my own family. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that's been now thirty one years. Uh, um, you know, <laughs> 31 years of walking with the Lord and, uh, experiencing him and getting to know him and serving him. It's been a, a glorious journey. Wow. Um, and, and so, you know, when I got saved, I was turned on for, you know, for Jesus, I converted half my soccer team at my high school, <laughs> um, to the Lord. And, um, my buddy Nelson said, you know, what's become of you? It's like, you were talking about David Beckham all the time. And now you're talking about Jesus all the time. <laughs> uh, and, and so, and I just told everybody, you've got to know this Jesus. And, um, and then when I was uh, baptized in the Holy spirit, uh, the, the invitation was given, uh, at the church, and then I was with my soccer soccer boys. Were you know sitting in the back pews because we were a bunch of jocks, right? And uh, so we're back there, and then I said, "I've got to go up." 
right? I, I, I didn't care what my team thought, th uh, thought about me. I, I'm just going to go up. If I'm going to look silly, I'll, I'll look silly. So I went up and, and uh, the pastor prayed for me. I was bawling. And, and like I said earlier, I was cleansed and uh, uh, like white like snow. And then I opened up my eyes. Half my soccer team were next to me. Wow. They were all, okay. all their eyes out and getting filled and touched by the Holy Spirit. Wow. <laughs> so you know, uh, really amazing and, and uh you know after that you know i went to college got my business degree i went to the military because it was mandatory um in, in singapore and then after that i went to ywam wow and uh and prior to that we our church has you know uh, always invited ywam teams from the u.s and and so you know multiple teams would come i remember one time one of the teams uh, came from kona and uh, a guy, his name was Andrew. He was on on a team, and I've uh, never met him a day in my life. And he walked up to me, and he goes, "One day you're gonna go to ORU." I said, "ORU? What the heck is that? You know, is that a a sushi restaurant? Because I love that." <laughs> but come to find out, you know, it was Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I thought, okay, well, uh, I have no means to get there, and it's not the right time, so I'm just gonna shove it. I shelved it, and uh, and meanwhile, um, my buddy Melvin, his sister, went to ORU, and uh, and then graduated. She came back to Singapore, and I was watching her live like a hawk. Right, I'm like, okay, well, yeah. what's the spirit of ORU? And she wasn't necessarily set on fire or anything like that. So I I, I thought to myself, you know, if if that's the fruit of ORU, I'm not going. Uh, and, and so I kind of shelved it some more, and then 13 years later. Um, I sat on 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 you know on set foot on a campus of ORU, and uh, and then in that process got to you know got to meet Oral Roberts himself. Um, I interacted with him, and uh, right before he passed in two thousand nine, actually. Wow. Uh, I it was such a a significant um, you know opportunity because I you know I he was old he was well into his nineties but I you know he was frail and. Um, but I didn't know he was going to pass away, you know, two months after two months after that. So, uh, you know, I, I I know my my destiny is so much uh, interweaved with the vision that God gave him. Uh, you know, years ago, uh, he got the vision to build Oral Roberts University when he was in the back seat of a car uh, and having a seizure. Wow. And, uh, and the Lord told him. You know, in, in an audible voice, that you're going to build a university based on the Holy Spirit on and on the fires evangelism. Wow. So you know, my I no no human individual has impacted my life and ministry more than Old Roberts himself. Um, yes, incredible. He was you know not a perfect man, but he was a willing and faithful man. Yes. You know, um, so when I uh, uh, had the opportunity to interact with him, I said, Oral, you know, this is my story. Uh, you prayed me into this. <laughs> and here I am as a young leader. What can you tell me? And he goes, number one, love God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and your strength. Number two, always hear his voice. Yes. And number three, always expect a miracle mm. so i've kind of cultivated that over the years and and uh uh use that as principles for my, for my own life and for leadership 
Wow. And hearing the voice of God is such a pivotal part of my life, Michael. Um, I, I remember when I first got saved, I didn't have any vocabulary for anything supernatural. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to worship. I didn't know how to hear God's voice or the gifts of the spirit, anything like that. I was just so fresh, fresh baby. Um, but yeah. I was so hungry. And uh, I remember one day I um, showed up in church two hours before service started. You know, I just wanted to go to church and be in an environment. And I didn't know what to do. I found a little Sunday school room. Um, and then I, I went in there. You know, there's these uh, Sunday school crayon paintings on the walls. Uh, and I sat in a little corner of the room. And then I said, Lord, I guess it's just you and me now. And then the presence of God walks into the room. Wow. I don't know how else to describe it other than this overwhelming presence walks into the room and all the hair on the back of my neck stood and I I was in awe of this presence. I, 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 there is no other response other than to bawl like a little baby. Wow. So cried and cried and I cried and I cried and then something happened inside of me. It was like a bubbling. Now I have you know vocabulary for it, but at that time I didn't. There's this bubbling and bubbling and then out came these words. I said, Lord, if it's okay with you, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Wow. And then uh, he replied, I wasn't expecting this. You know, I didn't know God could speak. Um, and so he said in response, to me, he goes, son, the first word I ever heard from God was the word son. Isn't that uh, amazing? Yeah. That's my, that's who we are. So good. Daughters. And he goes, son, your wife, <laughs> he goes, your wife is not Asian. She's white. Wow. <laughs> said, That's what? interesting. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I was not, Michael, I could not have conjured this up. I wow. was thinking about marriage. I was 16. Wow. I was definitely not thinking about a white wife. I didn't have any white friends at that time. Yeah. So I go, what on earth? But I <laughs> it was so real to me. I said, and, and then in response, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, there's a disconnect here. I'm telling you about my life, L-I-F-E, but you're talking to me about my wife, W-I-F-E. That's so funny. <laughs> I said, Lord, hang on, hang on. There's a disconnect. And then, uh, you know, I love this, this dialogue I'm having with the Lord, um, you know, my very first times hearing from him. And, and, and then he said to me, he goes, son, again, son, it, it is not profound that... I can speak to you, but it is profound that I can speak so far ahead into your future. Wow. Things wow. that you weren't even thinking about. Wow. And that's the prophetic, right? That's the prophetic yeah. voice of God. And um, so that really marked me, you know, as a young mm -hmm. believer. Uh, and then, you know, later going on in the ministry and, uh, and then obviously listening to, to oral and, and his uh, advice for me, always hear the voice of God. Yes. And so, you know, I, I've cultivated uh, my life and my ministry on that. Yeah. The voice of God and, and representing him well.
Wow, that's amazing. Now you went ahead and you obviously got your master's degree and went on to get your doctorate. And and now you're teaching in seminaries and universities as a professor. I mean, that's an amazing journey. But it's it's interesting because many people that go the academic route tend to lose touch with the voice of God. How is it that you've been able to maintain an appreciation for both aspects, the word and the spirit? You've kind of kept yeah. those two things together. What's that yeah. been like? You know, the, the, the motivation really came from a, a, a place of looking at the dysfunctions in the church mm. you know growing up in, in a church in singapore uh you know i i saw a lot of good things um with the charismatic world and uh prophecy healings and all of that but i also saw a lot of things that didn't sit well with me yeah uh, you know people being pushed over and etc right. etc and and you know ministers that that didn't, didn't did not live with integrity in their personal lives and yeah who they were on stage were completely different from when they got off the stage you know things like that really grieved my heart i thought you know if i'm going to give my life to this then i'm not going to head down that route because that's that's not where and that's not good and uh so it, it really stirred in me this passion to like you said you know know the word and uh and have the power at the same time, yes. right? And really, over the years, I've heard this mentioned over and over again. You know, it's like, oh, we've got to have a marriage of the word and the spirit. Yes. And uh, and I've you know believed in that for years and years and years until you know probably about five years ago, and I was talking about uh, to a group of students about a marriage of the word and the power, and then I felt rebuked by the Holy Spirit, and and the Holy Spirit said. So when has that ever been divided? Yes. From heaven's perspective. Yeah. It is not like, you know, they were married and then now they're divorced. Right. You know, from, from God's perspective, the word and the power was the original plan. Yes. So the separation and the divorce, the word and the spirit, it's a human construct. It's because yeah. not done well in, in stewarding that. Mm. And so, you know, I believe everybody should be doing this. We right. should be educated in the word. Uh, we should be filled with the Holy Spirit and we should be powerful in word and in the spirit. Yes. You know, the people would tell me, say, oh, you know, you know, like I love Jesus, but, you know, reading the Bible just bores me. I go, well, the word of God is not boring. You are boring. <laughs> you're finding reading a word boring you've got to figure out other creative ways to read the bible yes as john one in the beginning was the word the word was with god the word was god and the word became flesh the word is jesus right and so if you're not reading the word and, and getting rocked by who jesus is then you're not reading right. yeah and so you know Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the Word of God, and, and sure. we've got to, uh, 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 in, in light of what I'm seeing in, in, in church today, you know, we're biblically illiterate, uh, yeah. and that's not just lay people, Michael. That's yeah, that's right. That's pastors. Yeah, you know, no, I remember seeing, I remember seeing a class at ORU in a missions class, and 
And my professor said, well, I'm going to have you guys recite, you know, just from memory, the Great Commission. And nobody could do it. Wow. And we're talking about missions majors. Yes. I didn't know what it was about a Great Commission. I thought, oh, my goodness, what are we doing? Yeah, no, I I think you're right on. Like this, there was a, a study done by Barna that does all the statistical studies, the Barna Group, and they said that actually it's like less than six percent of all church-going believers have a fully biblical worldview. Yeah, it's like a shocking thing for me. And then it goes even lower for Gen Z. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that this is this is a pretty critical moment, and yeah. and I I love what God's doing in the charismatic world, and I affirm it and bless it. But I also believe that some of the critics of the charismatic world are correct when they say, you know what, there's not a strong adherence to Scripture. Yeah. It's like we approach Scripture as kind of a springboard into experience, but we don't give the value to Scripture that we really need. I mean, we can spend some uh, the whole time talking about this issue because right now we're in the midst of what many are calling the deconstruction of Christianity or, the, you know, that this is it's a serious time that we're in because we could lose our entire foundations if we're not careful. Talk about that a little bit. And how are you addressing that as a professor in, in, yeah. in universities? You know, the trend I'm seeing is that we are defi- redefining or we're defining church according to our own terms. Yes. It's no longer a, a, a case where we're defining church according to the Bible. Yeah. So these are the times that we're living in. You know, we talked about this yesterday and, and uh, about our culture here in North America, right? Yes. Where, you know, it's, it's hedonism. We're going to do whatever we want to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're post-postmodern now, right? It's no longer yeah. post-modern, post-postmodern, right? There, there are no absolute truths. We're going to do whatever we feel like it, uh, whatever floats our boat. That's how we're yeah. going to do it. And unfortunately, that's how we're approaching church. So, you know, people are gifted, people are passionate. And, uh, uh, you know, I tell students all the time, I said, you know, just because you're gifted doesn't mean that you don't have to conduct yourself in a way that's pleasing to God. Because the gifts of the spirit, by pure definition of the word, gifts, they're free. Yes. The fact is God will use us in spite of us. Yes, that's true. And, and because he cares about the people that, that he wants to reach. But everything about character and spiritual formation and, and, and adhering to the word of God, that's all us. God's not going to study the word of God for us. We have to study the word of God. That's right. You know, and years ago, uh, this is probably about seven years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, there will be a rise of intellectual charismatics. Mm-hmm. That's intellectual charismatics you know it, that even sounds like why would we even need to coin that term it should be the norm yeah you know i say i say people all the time just because you feel with the holy spirit doesn't mean you empty out your brains right you know we need you know, isaiah uh it says you know there's an invitation from god come let us reason together absolutely you know yeah. we need to use our minds the the brains that god gave us to interact with the Holy Spirit and, right. and, and, you know, go to him as our source and be informed, hear his voice, and then apply that to how we do church, how we live our lives. Yes. Um, you know, so in, in the, in our generation, let's talk about, you know, Gen, Gen Z and, and millennials. 
the the I did a whole research, you know, bunch of research on this for my dissertation because I, I focused my my dissertation on <clears throat> gifts of the spirit uh, in the marketplace among young adults. Wow. So what we're seeing uh, as a trend is that there's a rise uh, of a fascination in spirituality. Yes. You know, pertaining to millennials and Gen Z. Yeah. So there is a rise in spirituality, a fascination, interest in spirituality, but they're not looking to the church. <clears throat> right. And that's a problem. That's totally a problem. Right. Yeah. So 40 years ago, you know, if somebody wanted a, a, a burger, where would they go? Yeah. McDonald's. One place. Yeah. Right. But today, if they want to have a burger, they're not going to McDonald's. That might yeah. not even come up on the forefront of their minds. Sure. You know, you've got in and out you've got Habit Burger here in town. You've got these other options. So, you know, if somebody wants to uh, be spiritual, wants to grow in spirituality, they're not looking to the church. In fact, they're turned off by organized religion. Right. You ask any, you know, uh, uh, buddy that you run into on the streets, chances are they will say, yeah, I grew up in church. You know, I'm my family. You know, I've got a, 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 a some kind of understanding about Christianity. But. I don't want to go to church. I don't want nothing right. to go to church. Right. Why is that? Because we, part of the reason we haven't done a great job in representing who God is and how right. and the ways we've done church and people have right. been hurt or turned off by church. So, yeah. you know, the, the questions that, that, um, that um, Gen Z and millennials are asking, there's a key word in my research. The key word is authenticity. That's absolutely right. I was just going to say that. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, in my research, I found out there are three things that they're, they're looking for. Number yeah. one, authentic faith. Yes. So in other words, they're saying, well, Cornelius, if, if, if the if Bible is real and God is real, then what does it look like? Because I'm reading about the God in, in the Bible and it's nothing like the God that is being taught to me or reflected to me in church. That's right. Right. So they, they want to find out if I'm going to give 100 percent to this, which the millennials and Gen Z, they're they're very passionate about. There there are people that want to go all in, if not nothing at all. Right. That's and, right. And they're they're moved by social causes. They want to yeah. know what's real and what's authentic. So, you know, went with Christianity. So if this is real, then don't fluff it. Don't flake it. Don't fake it because they can yeah. see past the smoke screens real quick. That's right. Right. And the big lights, the big music, you know, they're not impressed by that anymore. Yeah. That's why there's a trend toward a, a, a smaller community. And because the next question they're asking, right? So they're asking authentic faith. Number two, they're asking authentic relationships. Mm, that's right. Because we, we have a generation now that wants to be known, that wants to be heard. Part of that is technology in that they're sitting in front of the computer. Nobody knows them. Nobody hears them. So, right. but, but <clears throat> cry inside that wants to be relational, that wants to be known. That's how God created us. Yes. So there's a trend toward a more authentic, relational, intentional community. Right. Which, incidentally, when we look at the early church, that's how they did it. Wow. Home churches, right? Yeah, exactly. churches. Exactly. And so, you know, we talked about this yesterday, Michael, you know, in, in that with COVID in the last two years, I felt that one of the sovereign things that God wanted to teach us was to help us redefine church. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and then by default, you know, we all had to downgrade or, or you know, move into house churches and, and online church, smaller communities. But now that, you know, COVID has kind of died down a little, and now we're back to right. what was normal. Spectator it's, church or yeah, consumer as, church. is as if we completely missed the train. Uh, exactly. What Holy Spirit wanted to teach us. So yeah. I'm not against conferences. I'm not against, you know, big churches. You know, I think there's a, a time and space for that. But But we need to think more deeply and profoundly about community and authenticity and relationships because that's what our generation is crying out for right mm -hmm. so authentic faith number one authentic relationships and number three authentic witness yes so i have young people that come up to me and say Cornelius, you know you're talking about evangelism and talking about gifts of the spirit i'm reading about it in the book of acts and the gospels but i'm not seeing it in the church yeah what are we doing just better programs Right. Bigger activities. Yeah. More clever uh, uh, strategies. Wow. You know, I, I was uh, um, in Seattle a few years back and, and just hitting the streets. And uh, there was a miracle that happened, um, you know, right, you know, as we were as we were ministering to people on the streets. And then there was this guy in the corner of my eye and he witnessed the whole thing. And then I looked at him and said, hey, buddy, did you see what Jesus just did? And he goes, that's amazing. I've never seen anything like that before because, you know, an arm just grew out, a leg just grew out. And uh, and I go, would you like to know Jesus, the Jesus that healed this person that you just witnessed in front of your eyes? Yeah. Would you receive him into your heart because he deeply yeah. loves you? He goes, nah. Nah. That's wow. quite all right that's that's all great for you guys but not for me wow. and i thought to myself all right this is the generation that we're we're confronting with right we're, we're confronted with they even a miracle right in front of their eyes is not wow. is not not moving them then how are we gonna evangelize you know talk about apologetics i mean you can talk to them till they're blue in the face it isn't gonna touch right. them to move their hearts necessarily right. you know there's a place yeah. for don't get me wrong but i'm i'm rethinking how can we evangelize if folks aren't interested in the supernatural or or they're right. right what are we doing and how can we do this <laughs> right and that's one thing you know having come to the lord during the jesus movement which you know you there's an x factor here because I believe every each of the three things you talked about are crucial for reaching this emerging generation. And also they're crucial for combating some of the negative aspects of what's called deconstruction in the church. Or, you know, because of the apathy and because of the distractions and so forth, people are questioning everything. And so you're saying post-postmodern is absolutely right, okay? But I believe that in this situation, we're, we're actually looking at um, the X factor as well, which is God's spirit moving and creating a seedbed for the gospel of the kingdom. Um, we saw that in the Jesus movement. That was the last semi-global. It wasn't global, but it was semi-global in terms of Western culture where people were coming to the Lord spontaneously from Australia to, to Eastern Europe. You know what I mean? There was a massive move of God in Western culture and, uh, and particularly centered in Southern California, where, you know, Calvary Chapel grew from 90 people to 5,000 within a short period of time where they were baptizing, you know, 400 people a weekend yeah. for four years. 
I mean, we're talking about a massive, incredible harvest that we just haven't seen the likes of since that time. Yeah. So the question is, where's that X factor right now? How do we how do we actually invite, you know, I mean, on the one hand, you have the Calvinists who say, well, you know, J. Edwin Orr, who says, you know, revival is just a spontaneous work of the Holy Spirit. And then you have, you know, Charles Finney, on the other hand, saying revival is as predictable as a harvest of wheat. You plow the ground, you sow the seed and you water it and you're going to have a harvest. Where do you stand on that whole idea? Because obviously we want to reach this coming generation for Christ. But if apologetics is not delivering the full measure, if uh, signs and wonders can't seem to move the needle sometimes, where do we stand there? What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. You know, I, I've been asking myself that. Um, and and uh, I think we need to tackle the foundations, Michael. You know, I, I mentioned earlier the order I get. Uh, and the, I'm not getting more profound in really in my thoughts. You know, the, the more I study and the more I know, I find out the more I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so I'm not going after, you know, what's the next clever strategies or, right. or this, that, and the other. Yeah. I'm coming back to the basics. I am gripped by Acts chapter 2. Yes. When the early church was burned, what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They broke bread. Uh, they ministered to one another. They had everything in common. Yes. They ministered signs, wonders, miracles. And they go from house to house. Yeah. And a lot can be said about that. I don't know. You know, it, we fully understood the house church model. Yeah. You know, we talk about implications of that. You don't have a mortgage, you know, a $5 million, you know, $50 million mortgage that you had to pay off. Right. You know, and, and Michael, we can talk hours and hours about the ethics of that. Right, that the yes. financial burdens, the implication of that. But anyway, so you know, I'm I'm gripped by Acts chapter two, and and I'm going back to you know, I, I ran a house church for five years here in town, and one day I was reading Acts chapter two. I was so gripped by, convicted by it. I I you know, I was going to have a, a meeting that night with a group, and then in the afternoon I ransacked my entire house. I found everything I had extra, pots, pens, socks, jeans, shirts, anything I had extra. I brought it to the group then, and I said, guys. I was reading Acts chapter two. I was so gripped by it. Here, if you if wow. you need anything, you know, if you need some cash, I've got some extra cash. But wow. and and yeah. then I thought, when have when was the last time I saw that in operation in church? Yes, I understand logistically it could be a little bit harder in a in a mega church setting, but the, the point is we don't go back. We don't visit that those values, mm. those. Yeah that means shown to us right so I, I feel like you know speaking to our, our 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 generation now they're asking questions about what is church what does right. church look like and if we're not defining it correctly with integrity and, and biblically then we're not doing a good job and then we're going to lead them down the wrong path and more and more people are going to be turned off by church because right. it does not there's no congruency with what they're reading in the bible yeah so true that's so, so true. I, I want to represent that well as, you know, we're church, church folks. Like, I want to represent that well. I want to talk yeah. about the fear of God. I want to talk about repentance. I want to talk about sanctification. 
I want to talk about being having integrity in, in moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want yeah. to talk about humility, not just yeah. a one man show on the stage. Yeah. To talk about leadership and how that looks like. Right. Well, that's one of the things that, you know, when I was a younger Christian, I joined a ministry that was dedicated to trying to walk out Acts 2. And so literally, we lived in communal houses, took in people all the time. Uh, every night, we'd have probably 30 people come into our house, and we'd feed them dinner, and we'd, we'd get feed, clothe them, and we'd work with them. And we actually ran our ministries for about four or five years at, with a common purse. So 100% of our income from various jobs went into the, to the common pot and we, and we ran our ministry out of that, trying to, in a sense, fulfill that dynamic. And that bring, brings me to a question I think is really relevant right now, which, you know, we talked about some of the failings of sort of American culture being hedonistic, being individualistic and how that's bled into the church and how that's kind of dictated some of the ways we do church. But there's also one other factor that I think is interesting is the issue of lifestyle. Okay. And I don't know, like I look at my lifestyle right now compared to where I was 30 years ago as a young believer. And I know that I've softened. I know that I've kind of adopted a bunch of aspects that aren't necessarily sinful, but they're certainly not Acts chapter two. You know what I'm talking about? And so what do you, how do you see lifestyle fitting into this? Because I think that that's one of the things I'm seeing. Like I have some friends that are part of a transformational community without Christ. And they're trying to, you know, better the environment. And they're trying to work together to see. And they're all living together in, in community to do that in, in, in Oakland, California. Okay. And, uh, and they're walking out community at a more tangible level than most believers are. And, and they, they have probably a more passionate commitment to their cause than most believers do, but they've adopted a lifestyle to match it. Yeah. What do you see? Like, how can we, can we engender a lifestyle of Acts 2 within the lives of the people that we hang out with, that we go to church with? Is that possible? I and think so. I, yeah. I think, you know, it takes intentionality. It takes time takes vulnerability, things that that we're running away from. Yeah. If you think about it culturally. That's true. We're, we're very individualistic in, in, in this culture. Um, we like to hide things. We're not yeah. upfront with stuff. We can mask it really, really well. Uh, and yeah. a lot can be said about accountability. You know, where is the accountability in the church? Yes. You know, and with social media, anyone can say anything. That's right. right. Anyone can be a prophetic voice. And, and, and I, I think about, uh, and not, not to get real, you know, demon politics or anything here, but we've, we've got prophetic voices that, that talk about uh, Trump being reinstated for the second term and that then come, come past. And, and, and some of that have, have owned up to that word and apologized for it. But there was one guy uh, that, that um, was, you know, uh, um, uh, confessed about, you know, getting it wrong. And then he said this, he, he goes, you know, when in the past, when I had a prophetic word, I would run it by my prophetic counsel, people that I trust yeah. or that, yeah. you know, and, and, and to, to make sure that I'm on the right track, I seek wise counsel before I make it. Yeah. That's and he right. goes, this time round, I just parroted what everybody else was saying. That's right. 
because I didn't want to be the one that uh, that, that that's not saying the the, the popular word, you know, uh, or what everybody else or, or all these other recognized voices are saying. Yeah. So in other words, he succumbed to peer pressure, and yes. and, and that didn't help with social media. And so I thought that's that's fascinating and that's sobering. In that, where is the accountability in how we do church? How do we approach spiritual gifts? How we keep each, each, each other accountable in, in our prophetic words? Yeah. You know, how, how do we do all that? You know, no, and, really and so I, I feel like. Acts chapter two, you know, I, I think about Ananias, you know, the early church, Ananias and Sapphira, right? And they they were struck dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, that was I asked the Lord God, why did it why did it seem so harsh? Yes. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, well, son, is because this is the early church and I was establishing a standard yeah. that needs to be followed. Wow. And yet now we're so casual about praying, Lord, I want your glory. I want your glory to fall. What, what if his glory comes down in, in a refining fire? <laughs> and, and what if he were to strike us dead because we corrupted the fire of God? Wow, his presence or the things of God with contempt. Wow, complacency. What if his glory showed up that way? Wow, you want it? I know. So, Who the know, Lord loves, he chastens. The scripture says that's the standard, Michael. Yeah, that's the standard. That's the fear of the Lord. That's the, the honor and, right. and you know, the, the, the contrition of our hearts and walking in. It's self-reflection and evaluating our lives. Are we walking with the Lord or are we haphazard in how we do things? And we right. just kind of define faith in according to our own terms is so right. self-centered, not honoring God. Right. Well, maybe it's, maybe it's even like the, uh, you know, in other words, there's a lot of people that are actively deconstructing right now. And I don't, approve of most of that you know some of it might be helpful but the majority is is damaging and problematic okay but i think that there's also a challenge where many believers are functionally deconstructing even though they're theologically staying loyal and that to me is almost worse because there is that bifurcation there's that there's that separation and and i really believe that it is time for us like i think there's a wake-up call in fact, I, I grieve a little bit because I think that that this last two years could have been the wake up call. You know, the COVID could have been part of it. The political garbage that went on around the election could have been part of it. The uh, riots and the BLM stuff that was going on throughout the last couple of summers could have been a part of it. It could have been a, a shaking that would have caused the church to say, wait a minute. <clears throat> what are we doing? Where are we? What are we building? And um and as I see us coming out of COVID right now, I get concerned because I think there is this hunger to just go back to business as usual. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that we don't do that. You know, yeah. now on the other hand, you know, I want to make sure that we also are approaching the future with blazing, brilliant hope. You know, that we're not just wringing our hands and saying, oh, yeah, the church is broken because it is. Mm -hmm. But I want to end on that note. So 
before we do though, let me just say a couple things to our, our audience. Um, you know, that, that Leaders Alliance really is about this very issue that we're talking about. It's trying to, in a sense, raise the, the leader level of the average believer. And I'm talking about leadership in Christ, not leadership in a worldly sense. I'm talking about the fact that we discover who we are, our true potential in Jesus, and we start growing into that potential so that we can be the salt and light that Jesus promised we would be. That we could be, as it says in Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, priests and kings unto our God. That we can actually walk into the world and we can change atmospheres in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, at the soccer game we go to. Or, you know, that in every context we would be not just the messenger, but we would carry the absolute message of Christ into every situation. And so... Leaders Alliance exists to actually produce that outcome. And so as part of that, we are launching a new e-course. And I just want to state this quickly, and we'll give you more information about it. But it's uh, it's called uh, Kingdom Leadership Foundations. And it's really about the first, the first uh, installment of this is about how to lead yourself and how to lead others on a personal level. Because the Great Commission is to make disciples who make disciples. In other words, if we lose the personal, interpersonal, relational thing that, that uh, Cornelius was talking about, we've lost everything. So let's get back to a church where everyone is a mentor, everyone has a mentor. Where we're talking about relational depth that actually produces the connectivity, that the authenticity of faith, the connection of relational dynamics that we're talking about, the true relational dynamics, and then finally, the ability to walk in the, the measure of God's presence and power that he longs for us. I mean, those are the three things that we need to, uh, that we need to focus on, and that's what Leaders Alliance is all about. So check in with us, become, subscribe to our YouTube, and so forth. Anyway, so let's draw this, this discussion to a close. I mean, I could go on for hours on this because these are all the relevant things that are that are stirring my heart. But let's try to end on some, some words of encouragement to the believer out there is saying, I believe everything you're saying, Dr. Cornelius. I hear what you're saying. What can I do about it? How can we make a difference? How can I, if I'm a pastor, how can I lead my church differently in this coming season? If I'm, let's say, a home group leader, or let's say I'm a, I'm a children's church pastor, or let's say I'm just a marketplace minister who helps out on a Sunday morning handing out bulletins. How can we make a difference for the coming season? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> had, had a thought earlier about <clears throat> uh, deconstruction, Michael, and this kind of ties in with um, what you just asked. It is okay to deconstruct if we reconstruct. Yes. Right? So if we deconstruct, we're asking the right questions about our faith. We're, we're asking the right questions about how we're doing church. We're, we're asking the right questions about how do we operate in the gifts of the spirit, then we're on the right track, right? We're yes. rebuilding, we're redefining, going back to the drawing board and saying, God, what was your original intention? Yes. For the church, for my personal life, for my ministry. And I think if we don't do that, then we're going to be led by, you know, a, you know, a case of the blind leading the blind. We're just yes. going to go with the next fad, the next trend the next attractional model, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, in answer to your question, I think we need to come back to the drawing board and ask the right questions. If you're a pastor, you're a marketplace person, say, what 
are the, the, the tenets, what are the core foundation things that you should be focused focusing on in this season and to do ministry, whether that's within the four walls of the church or outside, right? I don't think it's it's radically different in that we're still about the word. We're still about honoring God. We're still about living with integrity. We're still about representing God well. We're still about knowing him. We're still about relationships. We're still yeah. about community, yes. authenticity. We're still about being a light and salt. We're still about evangelism, which again, yeah. It's one of those things is that, you know, I was listening to uh, Francis, Chan, Francis Chan the other day, and he goes, you know, before he worked for the church, he was ablaze with fire for evangelism. And when he worked for the church, it stopped. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, what? You know, because you, you, you're surrounded by, quote unquote, Christianity. You're in the bubble. Yeah. You know, if I ask Christians, you know, so, you know, how many, how many non-Christian friends do you have? Yeah. Most I'm going to say, well, not a whole lot because I'm in this Christian bubble. And sadly, yeah. that's like the church. That's the, that's, that's totally true. Yeah. You know, so I would say go back to the drawing board and, and ask Holy Spirit to bring enlightenment, understanding, illumination. What should we be focusing on? And I yeah. say unity is huge. I'll say relationships, intentionality, yes. walking in the and the fear of God. <clears throat> going back to the basics, going back to the word of God, being biblical, you know, literate, uh, being informed theologically, biblically. Um, That's so good. Well, let me let me add one more thing, which um, I wrote about this recently in an article I wrote about sort of conference Christianity. Obviously, the Great Commission is at the core, but there's something that's even more core than the Great Commission. And that is our love for Jesus. You know, John Wimber probably wasn't the first to say it, but he was the first one I heard to say it, is the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And yeah. you referenced that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And uh, the main thing, obviously, is not a thing. It's a person. Yeah. It's really like, you know, I've been challenged in the last couple of weeks about deepening my love for Jesus and my ability to receive his love for me or the ability to experience his love for others. You know, the uh, Matthew 9, 9 dynamic of Jesus looked on the multitude and he was moved with compassion. His yeah. very insides were churning with love yeah. for these people that were broken, that he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, that there's certain things that are main things. Yeah. And I just want to encourage us, you know, let's start with just centering ourselves again in Jesus. Amen. Just falling in love with him all over again. I, I got to visit Ephesus recently. You and I talked about that. And, uh, and it was interesting because I was focused on the book of Acts, Ephesus. I was focused upon the book of Acts, or the, the letter to the Ephesians. But then uh, a couple days later after I got back, I was, I was thinking about, the, 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 the word that Jesus spoke in the book in, in Revelation. And he said, wow, you've done so many things well, but you've left your first love. And so there's something about that that I just want to add to each of the things you said, because they were all amazing and they're all central to, I think, restoring and recovering our sense of purpose in Jesus at this time. But let's also add this one final thing. Let's fall in love with him again. Amen. And the key to that, I believe, is it says that we love 
because he first loved us. Amen. So I want to encourage everyone listening now, everyone listening in the archives in the future, let's recenter ourselves in authentic faith, <laughs> in real community, real connection, and then in the real genuine presence and power of the Holy Spirit Excellent. and uh, informed by the word of God. Excellent. And let's center that all around Jesus himself. Amen. So can you pray for us as we close? Can you just offer a both a yeah. word and spirit uh, yeah. combo blessing for yeah. everybody? Um, I have a, a encouragement. I feel the uh, Holy Spirit sure. on this. Uh, an encouragement with pastors and leaders out there. Your external world can never outgrow your internal world. Wow. I, I teach a, a church leadership class um, course at Regent University. I, I, I get to interact with pastors of big churches and, and when and I have them do a survey of how they're doing uh, in ministry in their personal life. These are a few scenarios. Number one, not bigger is better. Yeah. Okay. And, and a lot of these pastors admitted is that they were tempted and snared by this idea of bigger is better. Yes. And, and number two, and they're not leading from a, a, a healthy family life. Yes. Right. They're not leading from a healthy marriage or, or a, you know, not everybody, obviously, but this is a question we should be asking. Are we leading from a healthy family life, healthy marriage? Um, you know, are we running on empty? So passionate yeah. leaders out there, I, I want to pray for you guys. Um, let's not be ensnared, lured, enticed by the temptations of the world, even in, in Christendom and in the ministry. Lord, I just pray that Holy Spirit, you, you would um, minister, Lord, to uh, um, the audience, whoever's listening. Lord, I just pray that you lead us back to the main thing, Lord, just to, to be loved by you and to love you back. God, that ministry will be the, the overflow of our intimacy and our love for you. God, I pray that you you bring conviction where conviction is needed. God, you bring correction where correction is needed. You bring rebuke when rebuke is needed. God, help us uh, uh, redefine uh, our faith and our relationship with you and redefine how we do church, redefine how we serve our communities and, and impact society according to uh, liberal standards, according to what you uh, have for us uh, originally God may we not be tempted by the next biggest thing or the next popular thing God may we seek you first and all these things will be added unto us yes, well, may God. the fear of the Lord uh, come upon the church and the body of Christ Lord may we live from that place may we serve from that place in reverence for you and for your kingdom we bless you in Jesus name Amen Amen well, thank you so much for being involved in this uh, podcast. I want to have you on again, and we can talk a little bit about some of your other passions as well. But thank you so much, Dr. Cornelius Queck. Amazing. And uh, also, how can people find you uh, on social media or website? Yeah. I don't have a website now. I'm re-engineering re, uh, my, my website. But you can email me at cornelius.queck at bathel.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Cornelius Quack or on Facebook as Cornelius Quack. 
Excellent. And uh, also you can get a picture of his beautiful white wife as well, because God did fulfill that amazing prophecy that he gave him, gosh, so many years ago. What was it, like 30 years ago almost? And, And God brought it to pass. And so, again, you know, the word of the Lord is sure. And uh, righteous altogether. So thank you for being on the on the call, and uh, God bless all of you, both listening now as well as listening in the future. May the Lord be with you and keep you close to His heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Thanks.